You're listening to the City World Radio Network, high-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world, www.cityworldradio.com. We are thrilled and honored beyond belief to have the ever-amazing, inspirational, wonderful Ariana Huffington as our guest tonight. It really is a thrill beyond words and something I never dreamed would happen. And ironically, dream is going to become very significant in our interview tonight because we're speaking about Ariana's new book about the sleep revolution. Um, Now, I, I realize that no introduction is necessary for Ariana out there, but... Just as a reminder to those of you um, putting into perspective date-wise, uh, Ariana was the co-founder and editor, uh, among her many, many other accomplishments, co-founder and editor-in-chief of the Huffington Post. In 2009, the Huffington Post was named the number 12 in Forbes' first ever list of the most influential, um, uh, I'm sorry, Ariana was named first ever list of the most influential women in media. And as of 2014, she's listed by Forbes as the 52nd most powerful woman in the world. So, yes, it is quite an honor to have her here tonight. Um, Now, as I said, Ariana's accomplishments are many. They're just too many to even begin to delineate. But why we're here tonight, uh, also as a New York Times bestselling author, we are here to discuss her most recent book, The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time. One Night at a Time. And as we're going to discuss tonight, and Ariana, as your book describes, there truly is a profound sleep deprivation crisis uh, that's affecting all of us today. It affects health, jobs, relationships, happiness, and all of you sleep-deprived out there know exactly what we're talking about. And through this book and through Ariana's research and her her words, um, we're going to learn how to take back control of our lives through sleep. And it's just absolutely exciting because, and I hate to admit this, I am one with terrible sleep habits and terrible insomnia, (laughs) and I have learned more from your book than I I was taking notes nonstop, putting them next to my bedside to try and remember them. It's it really is life changing when you read this book. Um, Again, those of you just joining in tonight, it's more mom moments, and we are beyond thrilled and beyond honored to have Ariana Huffington with us tonight. Um, Without further ado, I will now switch the speaker over to Ariana and Ariana. Tell us about sort of your journey and how you got to where you are today. So, first of all, I'm really excited to be on Morph Mom. I love what you are doing since I myself was one of these women that you are that you are um, working with and that you've built such a great community with. So, thank you for what you are doing. Um, I just really got to the sleep revolution uh, in the, the hard way. I actually collapsed from burnout and sleep deprivation nine years ago. I hit my head on my desk and broke my cheekbone on the way down. And uh, so that's what started me looking around and seeing how many people uh, are really burned out. And and. As I started reading the science, and as you know, Kathleen, because you have the book, there are 50 pages of scientific endnotes. I don't expect you to read them, but I wanted people to know that everything I'm saying is based on the latest science on sleep. So as you read that, you realize that we've actually been living under a collective delusion that sleep is optional, 
that we can um, actually sacrifice sleep in the interest of all the other things we want to do. And uh, in fact, sleep is essential for every aspect of our lives, from our health, including um, hypertension and heart disease, uh, including uh, obesity and diabetes, including Alzheimer's. Everything is affected when we're sleep deprived. And of course, it also dramatically affects our productivity because when we're sleep deprived, our cognitive functions are degraded and we don't make good decisions. And finally, our happiness. I mean, it starts with little things we've all experienced. We are moodier, we are more irritable, um, and uh, we take things more personally. Uh, when I was reading the book, and again, for those of you out there, you need to get it immediately because it will help all of us. Um, you mentioned how, and how society now is, we think sleep is wasted time. And in the book, you know, snooze, you lose. And if you're not out there working 29 hours a day, you're behind already. And um, you list in the book, which I found it was so astounding, sort of an average time that people get asleep around the world. And that Tokyo, I think, uh, came in an average of five hours of sleep which resulted in actual cost-loss productivity of, of money that was made because people, as you said, were too tired or too slow or too, you know, making mistakes that they may not have made before. And another thing you mentioned was that women need more sleep than men. Um, and in, in researching this, what, it, what do they say is the right amount of time? Like, what is the most productive amount of time that we should get to sleep? So, well, that's a, a great question. Um, in fact... Most people, the vast majority of people, unless you have a genetic mutation, need seven to nine hours. Where you are in the spectrum varies from individual to individual. My um, golden number is eight hours. When I get eight hours sleep, I wake up ready to take on the world, um, happy, grateful for my life, and Whatever setbacks happen during the day, and every day includes setbacks, I can handle without any problem. So um, if you have a genetic mutation, and about 1% of the population does, you can wake up after four hours and feel great like that, but you cannot train yourself to have a genetic mutation. And for me, uh, prioritizing sleep means that I... I operate at my best, and I've learned a lot from athletes who are friends like Kobe Bryant, Andre Iguodala from the Golden State Warriors, that for them to perform at their best, they need their sleep, and they track their stats according to the sleep they get. And we now have more and more um, men and women who talk about needing more sleep and how that makes them more effective leaders, decision makers. And Sheryl Sandberg gave me a blurb for the book that says sometimes in order to lean in, you have to sleep in. Um, and I think it's particularly hard for moms sometimes because they're juggling so much. But one thing I can tell every working mom who is listening is that if you actually put your own oxygen mask first, as they tell us on airplanes, we are going to be infinitely more effective and better moms and better at work. And I know, Kathleen, for example, you love your early workout class. <laughs> well, I, I love it, although I don't know how great I am at showing up there. But yes, 
But I, I would suggest that it's more important to get your sleep than to work out. And I'm, I love my workout classes. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a big proponent of um, exercise and good nutrition. But the third pillar that our culture needs to realize is the first pillar of healthy sleep. Because otherwise, it's like trying to sit on a two-legged stool. And you have a lot of, um, you know, women and men who are doing a lot, who feel they have to put the alarm on to get to the gym when their bodies are exhausted. When it's... Your story was absolutely fascinating. And those of you tuning in tonight, welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Those coming back, thank you for coming back. And those joining us tonight, you're in for quite a treat because we've got Arianna Huffington on the show tonight. And we're talking about her most recent book, which just is a revolution. And the title is The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time. And Arianna, you mentioned before sort of how you came to this book and how exhaustion and just working so hard um, cause you to collapse and really injure yourself terribly and how this is a a common thing that's happening and how we were talking about when you snooze, you lose and sort of this culture of you're so scared of missing something. Um, when you were back doing all that you did and like I said before, I couldn't even begin to explain all that you've done because it's just fascinating and so impressive. Um, seeing now what steps you could have taken as far as getting more sleep and um, you know, not running yourself into the ground all the time. How would you have adapted a healthier lifestyle back there? Which steps that you have now would you have implemented first? For those that listening tonight thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm on that road, I need to get it together. Well, I think that's a great question. Um, first of all, no matter what point you are in in your life, if you get the sleep you need, you are going to be more successful at what your goals are. Unquestionably, I can look back at my life and look at all the mistakes I made because I was exhausted. I mean, we have Bill Clinton, for example, saying the most important mistakes I made, I made when I was tired. We had Hillary Clinton collapsing from exhaustion and uh, getting a clot um, in her head and uh, basically talking afterwards about how her main goal when she steps down as Secretary of State is to be untired. We have so much evidence of what a negative effect it has. And um, so if we prioritize sleep, there will be other things that we give up. I mean, in my case, I have to confess that I have only watched one episode of Game of Thrones. I don't mean, I don't mean from this series. I mean, ever. Now, I would love to watch more. I really like it. But I don't like myself right. when I'm sleep depressed. I don't like the person I become. And uh, so I give this as an example. But we all have more discretionary time than we than we sometimes realize. Um, and I have a question, again, leading into moms with this as well. What advice would you give to mothers right now who are going through this? So I would say that moms so often feel that they have to do everything, and then whatever little time is left, it's for them. And I say categorically that if you put your own oxygen mask first, everything else will happen so much more effortlessly and with more grace. I call it moving from struggle to grace, you know, moving from struggling to get everything done, going through your to-do list, 
to actually bringing more grace and gratitude into our lives. And for me, the the one thing I would highly, highly um, recommend is to create a transition to sleep. Every mom listening knows that when you have a baby or a young child, you create a transition for them. You don't just drop them in bed. You give them a bath, you put them in their PJs, you sing them a lullaby. Well, we need to do the same thing for our children. Um, and the same thing when they get older, and the same thing for ourselves. And, and for me, the most important part of the ritual is turning off our devices before we turn off the light and charging them outside our bedroom. I have a whole, the whole second part of the book is filled of these best practices, tips, and techniques. Um, but they're very simple. As for me, it all, my transition also includes a hot bath with Epsom salts. But if you don't like baths, have a hot shower. It's as though the water uh, washes away the day. Um, wearing clothes to bed that I don't wear to the gym, you know, <laughs> and PJs or a nightdress or even a special T-shirt. And then only reading physical books in bed. I will consider it a personal victory if you are reading the sleep revolution. <laughs> it puts you to bed. We should and all be sleep. reading that book at night. I'm going to read that book again and again and again every night. And for those of you joining in, at the end of the book, Ariana, which I loved, was the quiz that you gave. And it's sort of going through your own sleep habits. And I think it was 0 to 36, I think, was the number you could rank. Um Unfortunately, I'm embarrassed to say I failed the test miserably. I got a four, which is not very good. So well, here's the thing. I, you should not judge yourself. The most important thing is not to judge yourself. So, listen, I collapsed from sleep deprivation, so clearly I must have been a zero. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> that doesn't matter. All that matters is realizing it um, now before anything bad happens and spreading the word through your fabulous platform and your radio show so that other moms realize that there's a lot we can do right now. And I'm also a big believer in micro steps. You don't have to do anything major. Just begin to take little steps that make it easier to prioritize sleep, to stay asleep. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, not a problem. I have tons of meditations that you can play, uh, a lot of things you can do except going to your phone. That's the only right. thing that makes it much harder to go back to sleep. Um, I loved what you said. So as I admitted, embarrassingly enough, that I am not the best sleeper, but I'm going to learn so much from this book that it's going to change my world. Um, there was something you were talking about, one of the things that causes us difficulty in sleeping. And this is what I 100% have. It's not even just falling asleep. It's when you just mentioned when you wake up. And it's the anxiety of falling asleep. So not only am I worried now that I can't fall asleep, now I'm in a complete downward spiral that if I do fall asleep, I'm going to wake up again. And what you say in the book is if you can just sit down and you quoted something from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And you said if you could finish every day to be done, every day it's, it's done, like that's it. Stop thinking about what happened. Stop worrying about the anxiety. Stop ringing in the stress. And it's so true because you sit there and you, you wake up and every single thing you didn't get done that day is in your head. Everything you need to do tomorrow, how you're going to make up for what you missed, what you have to do for everybody else. And I just loved this quote, like the day is done, stop. Like just stop for a minute. And I really appreciated that when you put that in there. 
Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I completely agree with you. I actually have this Emerson quote, um, buy my bed, because that's the key, to actually have a clear demarcation line between the day and sleep, kind of really saying the day is done. And then if we recharge ourselves, we'll be able to wake up and face the next day with fresh eyes. I want to go towards something else in the book, and I'm not giving anything away to the to the readers because trust me, there is so much in this book that you have to read. Um, dreams, and I think dreams are fascinating, and I feel like it's a success if I wake up having had a dream because I've actually slept the night before. Um, uh-huh. And about recurring dreams, and you talked about a recurring dream that you had. Um, and I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was taking a train to visit God and you would look outside at the beautiful scenery and then you would take note of the scenery that was not as beautiful. And it was a recurring dream and a recurring dream. And can you tell us about that and sort of your understanding of dreams as they relate to so, sleep? So that's the, the chapter in the book about dreams, which is really about the mystery of sleep. You know, we talk a lot about the performance-enhancing after aspect of sleep, but the mystery of sleep is also amazing. It's like a gateway to other dimensions, to a deeper part of ourselves. And I feel the same way about my dreams. When I get enough sleep, I remember my dreams. And um, some of them are very mundane and prosaic and just um, working through things that happen during the day. But others have, are really full of insights and understandings that are really, really profound. So, again, it's just one extra good thing that happens when we let ourselves get enough sleep. And when we don't get enough sleep, again, this is another thing I'm very guilty of and admitting many of my faults on the air tonight, which people know anyway, but the naps. So I am guilty of failing miserably at night getting through the sleep, but then the naps, I definitely... I'm very good at naps. Um, and is there an amount of time that they recommend saying, you know, I, I've heard people say it's a 20-minute nap, it's a 30-minute nap, that the REM, it, it, it's the most effective time, and you can never really make it up, but at least it can help? Yes, absolutely. Man, naps are incredibly helpful. They're really, um, the reset button, being able to, say, okay, for whatever reason, and there will always be nights like that with the best intentions. I didn't get all the sleep I needed or wanted. Well, now, as soon as I can, I'll get a nap. At the Huffington Post, we have two nap rooms, and they're particularly uh, used by uh, tired moms whose child was sick or who um, had um, sometimes, you know, mom had to breastfeed through the night or whatever it is. I find moms use our nap rooms more than anyone. And I believe that down the road, nap rooms are going to be as um, common I think it is in uh, offices as conference rooms. It's so incredibly forward-thinking that you did that. And for those listening, that Huffington Post has nap rooms. And I think it's the most generous. It's the kindest thing, especially for women and moms, to think that. And, and we're at our best. Like we said, if you take that nap, you can function again. You're back again. And it's so understanding of what circumstances are out there. Um, and speaking about moms, and again, you are now one of my favorite morph moms in the world, Arianna Huffington. Uh, it's women about trying to get back in and what to do. And I, I was thinking, or when we were going through this, um, one of my co-hosts actually was mentioning 
you know, there are all these sleeping pills, and there are all this thing out there that you can take, but what is there a missing market almost in terms now for selling a more natural, you talk about this in the book, like sort of a holistic lifestyle, like the lavender or the acupuncture, but maybe is there some sort of thing where women could get involved with that, with helping with this? Oh, absolutely. There are all sorts of um, little things, whether you're at home or traveling, that help a lot. Um, the basic things are, as you said, lavender, a soothing tea before you go to sleep. My favorites are uh, licorice, lavender, uh, or chamomile. Um, having a, a candle when you have a bath or by your bedside, it's like kind of rekindling the romance with sleep. Uh, I'm a big believer in noise-canceling headphones. I'm very sensitive to sound, and I live in the middle of New York City, <laughs> and, and I travel a lot, and you never know what noises you're going to be subjected to in a hotel room. And also in my apartment in New York, I have blackout curtains, um, but if you are traveling and you, you don't travel with your own blackout curtains... <laughs> You may want to sleep with an eye mask, and I think it's worth investing in a beautiful silk eye mask. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, because even on planes, the eye masks they give you are kind of plastic, and uh, again, not something you want to really put on your eyes. So these are kind of little things. There are many more, as you know, in the book, but we can start with that. If, if you have a bigger insomnia problem, uh, acupuncture is amazing. Um, massages that help you relax both your body and your brain and finally uh, cognitive behavioral therapy cognitive behavioral therapy has been found to be incredibly effective more effective than any sleep aids without the adverse side effects Ariane I, I'm I'm trying not to do this, but we've hit our time. It's 5.21. And for those of you out there, Ariana was only able to join us until 5.20, so I sneaked in an extra minute. And I don't want you, I don't want you to leave. <laughs> we could talk to you oh, forever. you're so sweet. Thank you so much. Um, I have to run out for a 5.30 appointment, but I love this. I absolutely love this and would love you and any listeners to write about any of these subjects on the Huffington Post. I'll give you my email address. So you can send it directly to me, uh, Ariana at HuffingtonPost.com. You, you are amazing. And as I said, um, it was an honor to have you tonight. I can't thank you for taking the time to speak with us tonight. This book is so revolutionary, as is in the title, The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time. For those of you out there, it really is transforming, and it really hits home with me, as I admitted tonight. I've had terrible sleeping habits for 10 years, and just even sitting reading the book thinking, I can start little and I can get there. So thank you for everything. Thank you for all you've done for all of us. And um, we, anytime you want, we'd love to have you back <laughs> if you want to come again. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you for everything. Um, and for those of you out there tonight, Ariana has to leave us, but we will be up a Morph Mom Moments iTunes podcast, and I will have this interview up tomorrow. So if you're just tuning in, if you missed it, don't worry. You'll get to hear Ariana tomorrow. And more importantly, go out and buy The Sleep Revolution, transforming your life one night at a time. Thank you for everything, and we, uh, we hope to talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So for those of you just joining in right now, uh, uh, we Ariana Huffington was just with us, and she had to leave at five twenty. Or, but I sneaked. I uh, 
I stuck a few um, uh, minutes in. Uh, we are now going to switch over to the discussion part of our evening. So once again, Ariana was here with the Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time. And I'm telling you, I read the book for the interview. It is fascinating and it's amazing. And there were things we didn't even get to, t- to discuss tonight. Um, and before we start the discussion round, I want to introduce my co-host. So I'm sitting here with Mother Lisa and Daughter Allie. I'm also here with Sarah and Caroline tonight. Um, And what we thought was, for those of you out there who can't see us, although we will be coming up on Facebook Live periodically, so, and you can also, actually at this point, you can call in as well at 212, uh, I'm sorry, 212-631-7553. But we have a a broad range of ages in, in the studio tonight, because as you read Ariana's book, it talks about how different ages need different sleep, you know, amount of sleep and the effects that it has. And so, for example, with college kids in here tonight, it's much different than with fellow mother, morph mom, Lisa. It's just a whole different world and the ability to nap and how we go about doing that. So I'm going to start now with a question for my younger crowd in here tonight. And uh, one recently graduated college, two currently in college. And part of Ariana's book talks about uh, college life and FOMO. And that when you get to college, it's the, of course, I've just learned this as an old mother, but fear of missing out. And what are you supposed to do? You know, you've, uh, they say you, there are three options you can pick two. And I think I'm saying this correctly because they all knew it when I said it. Sleep, grades, and social life. And I'm going to guess, for the most part, grades and social life may have been picked more often than sleep. So if you guys could tell me if you feel that pressure to begin with, if the sleep does affect the social life or, and the grades, and how you feel about that statement, picking two out of three. And Allie, I'll start with you. Um, so... I think there's definitely some truth to that. I was a Division One athlete for two and a half years in college, and I found it was more true when I was on a sports team because you had a more, like, regimented schedule. Um, and then once I stopped playing the sport, I felt there was more time to sleep. Um, I think it was especially true when I had my internship over the summer because when you're working a job, you have very set hours, whereas for a college student, you can typically pick when your classes are. So I typically picked all my classes to be after 10.30 so I could get enough sleep. So I think it's – there's – truth to it in the sense you do have to pick both but I think in college you can work in naps and stuff because your classes are only two and a half hours a day and Sarah I'm going to bring you in now and Caroline who's hiding behind the Facebook live camera will be coming in very shortly uh Sarah what do you feel about the FOMO this fear of missing out so if it's the option of you are exhausted but there's a big huge thing that night do you say oh you know I'll sleep whenever I can I'm going to do this what's your impression of that and just in general like do you think the major how the majority of your friends feel about that I mean I think some people are better at handling it than others but I know for me like there'll be a lot of times where I'll be lying in bed and it'll be like 9 30 and I'm like all right I'm not going out like I'm too tired but then I start thinking about it I'm like oh I'm gonna see it on Instagram and then I'm gonna be like I was just in bed and then I probably won't end up falling asleep anyway so I think there is definitely that pressure and I think if you're gonna sacrifice something if it comes down to going out with your friends or getting a couple extra hours of sleep you're probably gonna sacrifice the sleep and I know that's something that I don't know if I should be telling you this but that's something I do (laughs) you you can speak freely yeah what stays what what happens here stays here and to everyone else out there listening tonight. So Caroline, I'm now turning on you, who's our Facebook camera woman tonight. Caroline, Sarah just brought up a point about seeing something on Instagram. So you're lying in bed and you see it on Instagram. How do you think then technology plays a role with your so- like social life and just in general? So if you see something on Instagram and you're in bed, would most get up and go? Like, how do you feel about that? Does it affect it or can you just ignore it? Um, I think it's pretty hard to ignore because it's there, it's in front of you. Um, 
I would, I would have to agree like definitely also with the evolution of like snapchat and snap stories like with the live stories when you see fun things going on you obviously want to be a part of it even though it may be in your best interest to sleep and i think there's a decent trade-off between like sleep and a social life um and i think it's hard to find that balance and i found that especially difficult over the summer when i had an internship with pretty demanding hours like when you should be working and when you should be with your friends having fun because you obviously don't want to be all work no play and you don't want to be all play no work and so it's an it's an interesting trade-off and so the girls have been with me all night as lisa who i'm going to be roping in soon as well (laughs) and you'll see on facebook live um and going through the book again for those of you just joining in and thank you for listening and um thank you for those who are new to the thing new to our radio show um i usually do a very quick morph mom intro and i just want to intercede here for just a minute and tell you guys exactly what you are listening to. So my name is Kathleen Smith. I founded Morph Mom about four years ago, and it was all about connecting women and helping them, uh, those who had done something already, reaching out and paying it forward to those looking to do the same. We have a website, morphmom.com, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com, and Ariana's interview will be up on that as well tomorrow. Um, we, I actually write for the Huffington Post as well, and there are many, many Morph Mom stories on the Huffington Post. And the Huffington Post is just the most amazing outlet for this and allows women like myself or anyone to to present stories and to share what they're doing. And so I'm forever grateful to Ariane for that opportunity as well. Um, we also host cocktail parties around the country. Our next big cocktail party actually is going to be this Monday in Chatham, New Jersey, if anybody is local and would like to join us for Documenting Hope, which is just an amazing organization um, that really talks about the autoimmune world and really making a larger umbrella of what this autoimmune what autoimmune conditions are and how we can help them and um, through doctors at Harvard they're going to be doing a documentary um, sort of depicting different treatments for different autoimmune uh, issues um, and again that's Monday night in Chatham and if you're interested you can go to morphmom.com and get the information there Uh, So the cocktail parties are great. We have speaker series that go around the country, and we also have classes, which are really, really fun. But most fun is the radio show when I get to sit here and talk to people and, like tonight, have Ariana Huffington on, which is still, I feel like I have been dreaming (laughs) this entire time, um, who was speaking about her book, The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time. Speaking of dreaming, which is a big part of the book as well, I was fascinated by the dreams, and the girls and I were talking about this before the show. And I'm sure all of you listening out there have had like that recurring dream or that one dream that sticks with you or you can still remember one very scary nightmare you may have had. I still remember staying up and watching The Wolfman when I was like six. And to this day, I can't even look at it and having nightmares forever. Um, but uh, as far as dreams, we're talking about recurring dreams. Do you guys have any recurring dreams? Yeah, sure. So I have two recurring dreams. The first is that I am drowning and um, I can't breathe. And then typically by the end of the dream, I take a breath underwater. I can't breathe underwater. And then I realize it is a dream and I wake up. Um, And then my other recurring dream is that the brakes on my car won't work and my car just keeps driving and I'm going to crash into something. I don't crash into anything, but it's really terrifying. Um, And I think they both probably are typically when I'm really stressed or overwhelmed or like scared about some upcoming new life event that I'm unsure of. So I think they definitely, if you pay attention to your dreams, they can sort of help you process what's going on in your life. Sarah, what do you feel about that? I don't know if I've ever had a recurring dream, but like you were saying how you remember a dream from when you were six. I have certain very vivid dreams. Like I had one where I was on this boat and we ate these jelly beans and everyone else blew up into these like balloons and kind of floated away and I got to live and I like felt really guilty and so like that stayed with me for a while so I think there definitely is like 
some sort of meaning behind that. I don't know what it is, or if we should get that checked out. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to leave and call a doctor right now. I'll be right back. <laughs> and Caroline, how about yourself? Um, actually, yes. During my finals this semester, I had a recurring dream that my teeth were falling out, and I, I mean, I think that's pretty common. Though I think it's it means like you're stressed out, and like going what Ali said, I think I was just really stressed with finals. Um, there's a lot going on, like having to get good grades and everything else. Yeah, that is a pretty common dream. I've had that one too. It's really scary when it happens. <laughs> yeah. In, in the book, they talk about the significance of dreams as well and how in ancient times, um, dreams were sort of a roadway to the gods or some a mystical thing where you would get religious uh, meaning or religious messages. And it's really interesting. They actually had, and again, it's in the book, uh, temples or buildings devoted to sleep and dreams. And they felt that, you know, the lead, the religious leader maybe of the the community would sleep and a dream would come to him in some religious miracle or some message would come to him through the dreams and it was really really interesting and um i, I don't know i think i wish i was a psychologist to, I, actually i don't because i think they'd be like she is absolutely crazy <laughs> what she dreams about but with the drowning thing that Allie had and i know sarah's had this too Allie gets through it i wake up like choking like almost like a, it's still happening and i wonder if there's even a difference in that it's just fascinating so another thing in the book which i love are naps can't get enough of a nap and because I have terrible sleep habits a nap is absolutely imperative and unfortunately many times has caused me to miss picking up my kids at certain events but I think it's made them much more independent so I'm going to stick by that I'm going to justify it and just pretend that it didn't happen all the time but it would hit me so hard that I could not keep my eyes open and I encourage you guys speaking of that in the back of the book there is a sleep test and it's a quiz, and I think you know, it's 0 to 36, and you can take these questions about how difficult it is to fall asleep or when you wake up going back to sleep. It's a really fun quiz to take, and uh, so when you guys buy this book, I, I really encourage you guys to do this. And what's funny is the differing results that we all got at the table here tonight. I completely failed and got a 4 out of 36, so I am the worst. Um, but I think the girls were looking at the test as well. So, Allie, you looked at the test. What did you think about it? Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. So it asks you, you know, how quickly you fall asleep and then when you're sleeping, what your habits are when you're sleeping. So how often you wake up, et cetera. And I scored a little better. I got a 28. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was definitely an interesting thing to do. And Bragging helped, about your sleep atmosphere. <laughs> it helps you kind of assess where you could work on your, your sleep. And I know mine was um, how quickly I fall asleep. I find it's difficult when I fall asleep to sort of clear my mind so that I actually can fall asleep. Once I'm asleep, I'm totally fine but it's difficult for me to fall asleep, whereas I think you had the opposite problem, am I right? So I can fall asleep anywhere, sadly, and at the most inopportune times, like when I'm supposed to be a pickup for kids, but then I'll wake up, and we were talking about this with Ariana earlier, the anxiety of going back to sleep keeps me up, because I'm just sitting there thinking, well, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, I've got to watch TV, and Ariana was saying, you know, TV is the worst, and that blue light is this terrible thing, and I have a friend who calls our house the blue lighthouse because there's always a TV on in some room. And I'm usually in front of it because I move from TV to TV thinking I can sleep better there. Um, terrible habit. But um, And truth be told, so my daughter, Sarah, who is sitting next to me, it's so funny to you how you've seen a family, how different sleeping habits happen. So I can fall asleep. I wake up and I can't go back to sleep for the night. Sarah, uh, one of you, <laughs> Sarah can sleep forever. Yeah, I'm the exact opposite. I'm kind of like Allie. Like if I'm trying to fall asleep it takes me probably upwards of half an hour every time and a lot of my issue is 
I don't really know if, like, again, this is normal, but <laughs> I kind of start, like, thinking about falling asleep, and that's when I get stressed out. I'm like, what's going to happen when I fall asleep? Why aren't I falling asleep? And then that's kind of where I run my mind off, which is where I kind of take up your habit of listening to TV or having something going on in the background, because if I put on a TV show, I'm asleep within, like, 10 minutes, but if I'm just left to my own devices, then it's a struggle. Well, Ariana says in her book, don't try to sleep, try to stay awake. And Caroline, we were talking about that downstairs. Like, so you gave an example, and um, I apologize to any professors out there. This may be in their class. But Caroline, tell us what you were talking about. Like, you know what that feeling is when you're trying to stay awake. Um, well, when I'm at school, I know that there are certain classes where I don't actually have to pay attention to, and I can doze off, and it's okay to do that. And so when I'm in those classes... I really hope your parents did not just hear that. <laughs> um, so in those classes, I'll try to doze off, and it won't work, and I'll be wide awake and so attent. But then other classes what, that are extremely important that I need to be paying attention the entire time, I find myself falling asleep when I'm trying to stay awake. So it's kind of counterintuitive. But I guess it's not like trying to stay... I guess just in the thought of you're working so hard to stay awake, you're done. Yeah, and so just going off what Sarah said about, like, I also, to be fair, to fall asleep, I need to have music playing in the background, whether it be out loud if I'm in my own room or on my headphones, if I'm sharing a room with someone else, like a roommate in college, like a dorm roommate. Um, And I really think that's because I really struggle, like, turning off my brain before bed. And I know I just heard recently that a lot of people do that and, I know Ariana mentioned in her interview and in the book about meditation, and apparently that's a good way to clear your mind. But that's something I really struggle with. I've tried to meditate before. I feel like my brain never shuts off until, like, involuntarily I fall asleep. So I think that's something I definitely need to work on, especially through that quiz. It was really interesting to hear about. And Lisa, who's sitting next to me tonight, one of my other co-hosts, who I'm not going to let hide. I'm bringing her into the fray. So uh, Lisa is Allie's mom. And I'm just curious how we're talking about the – you know, is it a common thread through your family or sleep habits? And clearly our house is a disaster. It's completely different. There is never an hour in our house when someone is not awake. Unfortunately, I'm usually awake during most of those hours. Um, but Lisa, so Allie was saying that once she gets there, she's done. Like, she's great. She can go all night. How, how is that with you and with the other kids as well? Um, they, are, they are all good sleepers, actually, once they're asleep. Getting them to go to sleep is another thing. But um, for me, I... I fall right asleep, and but then I don't necessarily sleep all the way through the night. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, <laughs> I'm jealous. but I fall asleep very quickly as soon as my head hits the pillow. But when but you Allie went- wasn't always a great sleeper because we had to go through <laughs> um, sleep training with her when she was a child. So we went to a sleep expert, Dr. Weisbluth in Chicago, <laughs> and tried to have her her sleep patterns uh, adjusted and thank God because I always said one day she would be an excellent sleeper which she is so yeah apparently when I was like a baby I was a demon sleeper um, (laughs) and I never slept and I mean they would have to drive through the night so they never got to sleep to get me to fall asleep so they would drive for like hours at end of night and as soon as they put the car in park I'd wake back up so they really never had an opportunity to sleep when I was a baby that just so struck a chord and I'm sure Lisa and everyone out there involved in city living understands that so we would drive around for hours and hours and hours to get a parking spot and you'd get the parking spot and then the babies would not go to sleep (laughs) the only thing that was going to put them to sleep if you went back in the car and you drove around for hours and hours and hours and then lost your car your parking spot and now it's the middle of the night and the baby's sound asleep but if you move the baby the baby's going to wake up and you can't get another parking spot i just had to (laughs) to vent on that i so remember that 
but the the idea behind the sleep training with the baby is the same as what Ariana's talking about um, that you need to somehow find a way to relax yourself and put yourself to sleep and I think that's what we probably most babies are able to do that and then we lose that ability when we're adults so I'm trying to figure out if I ever had it. I don't know what is going on. But so as I said, I failed the test and revealing way too much tonight. And my friends cannot quite understand. I don't function at all, clearly. But my husband used to work really, really, really late. And he'd come home anywhere from, I don't know, midnight to four in the morning. And I might, I think I became so accustomed to being sort of awake or not or so lightly sleeping. And in the book, it talks about, I think, four stages of sleep. And one is that very light sleep where... Sound wakes you, light wakes you, you know, and then it goes further when you're in such a deep sleep, you would not normally be cognizant of that. But I don't think I could ever get past the really, really light sleep. Oh, we have a caller. Uh, oh, hold on. Hold on one second. We have a caller. Hello. Hi, this is Catherine Shortsley. Hello, Kat. It's Sarah. Oh, and Catherine, I have a favor, honey. Sarah, could you? Sarah, what are you doing? We're talking about sleep. And we're talking about sleep in college. This is my roommate, Kat, so we know a lot about each other's sleep patterns. Oh, wait. Well, wait. I just have to interrupt for a second. Turn down the am radio. I, am I on the air? You're, you are. You're on the air. Turn down the radio in the background. Or TV. Do you hear it? Okay, perfect. Okay. So, Kat, how is it? Okay, now this is a great question. So, Kat and Sarah are roommates. Um, Kat. Do, is it hard if you and your roommate have different sleeping habits? And I don't know if you do, but how do you handle something like that? And I, both of you, actually. Well, um, Sarah and I actually have really similar sleeping habits. Um, we're lucky because she's so quiet when she sleeps. And if people are snoring and they're loud, I can't sleep. But she's so quiet, so she can come in anytime. Like, if she's coming back so late from the library, it won't wake <laughs> me up because she'll be so quiet when she comes in, so... It works out really well, actually. Sarah and I have been roommates for two years, so it works out really well. Kat, I'm glad you said when she comes back very late from the dot, dot, dot library as her mother. Very <laughs> glad that's where she's out very late. <laughs> no, I promise. I promise. She always comes back at like 1 o'clock. From the library. <laughs> I'm very well behaved. Yeah, she's got my DNA. <laughs> sure. from the library. So, Kat... When you came to college, had you, okay, so I have a question. Have you, I said that, I have a question. Have you, um, did you ever share a room before coming to college? No, I'd never shared a room before. So was it hard to adjust to sharing a room and sleeping habits with somebody, or were you worried about it, coming into it? Um, I wasn't really worried. I knew I didn't want a single, I wasn't worried about it, but I think that I kind of lucked out. I didn't really go too far into the um, roommate process. Like, I didn't really think too much of it. Um, and I kind of lucked out having Sarah as my roommate because we Aww. got along so well and we just, like, uh, it, sleeping habits wasn't even an issue, you know? We slept there the first night. Sarah and I talk about this. We slept there the first night and we think back, like, we didn't know each other and we slept in the same <laughs> yeah. room. Next we week. can't remember what we did that first night. Like, I think it was just normal, yeah. which is so bizarre. Like, we had no idea who each other was. Yeah. Way- yeah. And we slept there. I honestly feel like I lucked out because I know some people don't have great experiences. So, we, I feel lucky. Do you, do you guys know, so many issues, now this can come up for everybody at the table today, um, you know, there are many issues that can cause a problem with roommates. Do you guys know of anyone who actually had a problem due to sleep or lack of sleep? Oh, Caroline, hand is raised. Yes, Caroline. Uh, my freshman year, I 
went random, and I ended up with two roommates. They were two very nice girls, but um, they would both come home at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, and they would come into the room. They would turn the lights on. They would play music while I was clearly trying to sleep. It would be a school night. It's not even like it was a weekend where I could cut them some slack. Um, so what I did was I went home for break and I got a sleeping mask and earplugs and I went back to school and it was the best thing I ever did. Wait, did it work? Oh, it worked great. I wouldn't hear them come in at night. Uh, when they turned the lights on, it didn't bother me. And I'm so glad I did that because I was going to try to move out, but that didn't work. And Allie, do you know, Allie, anyone who had issues with the, with the roommate and the sleeping? Because honestly, when you think about college life, that's a huge part of it. So I think more than anything, I was the problem roommate in that um, <laughs> my first year, my roommate was wonderful and really respectful, but I got mono. And so I would have to go to bed really, really early because I was just so tired and I had a really bad case of mono. And I was also on a sports team, so I was competing throughout the time and we'd have like 6 a.m. practices. So I'd be in bed <laughs> by like 8 p.m. And my roommate, luckily, was really kind and respectful about it and would just do most of her studying in the common space and wouldn't come in until she was ready to go to bed and was would just be quiet when she was ready to go to bed and I'm a heavy sleeper so luckily I could sleep through things but I mean I think the most important part when you have a roommate because that teaches you a lot about a your sleep patterns and b like what you can put up with when you're trying to sleep is just an element of respect and like an open and honest conversation about what's important um Kat I have one more question before we let you go yeah absolutely so you so you said Sarah's really quiet and do you had there been an issue with her, so it, and again, you're great. It, there are no issues with friendships or anything like that. But had there been an issue with it affecting your sleep, would that be enough for you to change rooms? Had there ever been? Um, if there was a big issue, absolutely, because I need I need my sleep. I I need sleep to function, and Sarah knows I sleep quite a bit. Like I'll go to bed late, but I'll 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 sleep for a while, um, or I'll go to bed really early and I'll I'll get up early. But um, if there had been a big issue, I would have had to change rooms. I was nervous that I'd have a roommate who snores so loudly, like, um, there's a girl in our dorm who has that, who has that problem, and she was able to deal with it, but honestly, we were the next room over, and I couldn't even deal with it, so. You could hear it through the, you heard it from next door? Yeah. Yep, we could hear her snoring next door. I hope she's not listening. (laughs) I think we're safe. I think we're safe, Jess. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thank you very much for the call. You can we won't keep you on here. Forever. <laughs> All right, bye guys. Bye. So, Mrs. Smith, I think something that was interesting that you were saying before you before the caller came in about um, people who work really long hours and then how they get sleep based on it. You were talking about your husband, and I thought that was interesting, especially when Ariana called in about you know she started a tech company in you know the evolution of tech companies, and I wonder. Obviously, now that she's built this company, she prioritizes sleep for her employees, which is awesome and lets them use nap rooms. But for a lot of industries, burnout is sort of part of the culture. You know, you're supposed to work really, really, really hard. And it sounds like that was the case for your husband, too. Like, you're supposed to work insane hours to sort of prove your worth, and then you move on, and then you don't have to work those hours anymore. And I think it's interesting, like, how do we shift the national conversation and the culture to more sleep and more productive work when you're actually there rather than longer hours where you may be less productive. And this is so essential, actually, to all you guys, college kids, recent graduates. Like, how do you make this switch without compromising your work ethic and what you're doing? Um, so he – it was a unique situation. I mean, not actually not that unique, but it was any time between this 12 and 4 and staying up. 
And I don't know how he just, I, I honestly don't know how he did it, but he somehow managed to do it. And Ariana was saying, I think there's only 1% that can handle, that genetically is built to sleep four hours. I know perhaps he, I don't think he is in that 1%, but um, it, that you really do need it. And it's, it's really, especially for mothers, and you guys will learn like to, to sort of get this all going at the same time, it's really, really hard because as hard as you work all day, and when I worked and it would had to come home at night and then you're up all night with the kids. The kids are not following your sleeping schedule. They're not saying, oh, time to go to bed. You got to sleep the seven hours now. And not only are they up all night, but then you got to be right back at work again and functioning and performing well. And it's a really hard cycle. It's really, really difficult. Yeah, and I think that's especially interesting with mothers because you hear about burnout so much with like doctors and lawyers and investment bankers and you can always switch careers or switch jobs, but you can't do that when you're a mom. And I'm sure you feel burnt out of being a mom sometimes. So that's really interesting. It's it's hard. And, and what Ariana was saying, and I, the Huffington Post, I think, was one of the first to have the sleeping, the nap rooms. That is the greatest gift, I think, to anybody out there. Because we were saying, and I'm sure all of you guys listening out there, um, and I hope there were many, <laughs> you're still there. But, you know, catching that nap when even you can get 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever the amount of time is that I, I think actually gets you rebooted for what you need. To have that available, especially as a mother with a newborn who's been up all night, would have been absolutely life-changing. Absolutely. And maybe I would have won <laughs> a case. <laughs> maybe I would have done a little bit better in the prosecutor's office at the time. But I'm going to say it's because I was up all night with kids. Um, does that Now, I have, for you guys, so as I said, I'm sitting here with my great co-hosts this evening, Allie, Caroline, and Sarah, all in, well, college, recent grad, and fellow mother, Lisa. Um does this when and I don't know at least I I don't know if you felt like this I never even considered that having kids would affect my work life it, it to me was never I mean yes in theory but but really deep down until those nights when I was up all night and thinking how am I ever going to go to court tomorrow how am I going to get dressed how can I, I the thought of washing my hair was too much energy but then to go perform and then come back again and know you're not getting a break you're going to work and you're coming right back again um, I don't know did you ever. What was your reaction to that? Um, well, Allie was a terrible sleeper, so <laughs> it was a horrible transition um, from it was a horrible transition from working and picking my own sleep patterns to having someone else determine when I would be allowed to sleep. And um, I didn't. I ended up not going back to work, but staying at home is also just as challenging. As far as the child wakes up, and you have to. Whether you're whether you're ready or not, you have to be ready to go on the go and you know keep up what you're doing at home or whatever if you're working from home. Um, so it's I don't think there's any easy way. And homes have lots of bedrooms, which could be nap rooms, but typically it's hard to even fit in a nap. So um, I think uh, having a, a child totally transforms when your your sleep patterns. I think so too, and. Does that scare you guys? So now we're in a room with like millennials, which is such a scary term because I don't even understand. You know, does that scare you guys? Is that something that the three that you think about or has the world changed so much even with technology and and now nap rooms and, you know, it's a little bit easier. But is this something you guys consider? I mean, yes, to a certain extent. I mean, I haven't really thought about having kids or a family yet or how that would affect my life 
really at all yet, <laughs> to be fair. But like things like the nap room, I think is really great in theory. And I think it's great if you work at a company like the Huffington Post, where clearly sleep is part of the culture. But ultimately, I think, you know, a company can have a nap room, but if it's not part of the culture to take naps, no one's ever going to utilize it. So I think ultimately this involves sort of a cultural shift away from up all night to personal health and well-being. So, Sarah, have you ever thought of that? Yeah, I mean, I think I have. I think, like, not just in terms of sleep, but pretty much in general, um, I have kind of an issue with time management, whereas I don't really need that. Have it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any time management necessarily. And I'm kind of in the place where, like, like Cal is telling the truth. I come back really late from the library because I'm of the thing where if I just stay up late and get it done, then I can sleep in the morning. And I think getting myself out of that mindset, like, be it when I have kids or when I'm in the workplace, I think that's now almost just a part of my personality and it kind of is especially at school there is just this culture of you know if you're not busy and you're not stressed then what are you doing and so I think that's also kind of how I've fallen into it and I think getting out of that mindset is going to be pretty hard so I don't know if I'll ever be good at sleeping necessarily (laughs) Caroline how about you yes I'm turning it now to our Facebook uh camera person she was going to turn it around on herself right now so Caroline uh Caroline is one of four and the oldest of three girls in that family. So is this something that you've ever thought about? So when you have a family, when you have kids, the sleeping issue, and and would it ever in any way discourage something you wanted to do? Because that might be an issue as well. So, so, okay, for example, so if there's a a job that you wanted, but you knew going into it, it was going to be, you know, 20 hours a day at the beginning, and eventually it would get better, but it was what it was. Would it come into play that eventually you're going to have a family and that's going to interfere with that? And with sleep-wise, there's just no way you could do it. Um, well, I think, like what Ali said, I'm kind of young to be thinking about that. So thinking about, like, a family is just, it's way too early. So, <laughs> I mean, there's a job that I would have to work, like, 20 hours a day. I think right now I could do it. Um, I guess may- maybe, like, when I get a family, yeah, that would affect my decision. But I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Sort of put you on the spot there. I'm too young. Um, I can't believe this. We have two minutes left of the show tonight. It was the most fun evening. Um, and again, I am forever grateful to Ariana Huffington for coming in tonight. And I encourage all of you to go out right now and buy The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time. And I think I would even suggest starting it by taking the quiz at the back. And if you flip to the back, it's just a two-page quiz. But really, it's the, the questions are very interesting. And sadly, my answers were not what I wish they would be. Um, and then when you read this book, you'll pick up little tips, big tips. But really, there's no way you can walk away from this book without it affecting you or knowing somebody who really needs the help that you could help with this as well. And Ariana, I, I just think you're an amazing morph mom. And you said such kind things about morph mom. But we're here because of women like you who have laid the groundwork and who are so willing to then pay it forward and help us all along the way. And I want to thank my very brave co-hosts tonight, Allie, Caroline, and Sarah, who came in tonight, my college friends who I sort of dropped right in, and Lisa, Allie's mom. It really was an amazing evening, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next Thursday. Good night.
World Radio Network. On Monday, we have at 6 o'clock, Keeping It Real with Jazzy Joy and Company. At 7 o'clock, we have AC Low Show or Bill Russo Show. At 8 o'clock, we have Johnny Mandolin, and he is the president of City World Radio Network. At 9, we have Janetta's Vendetta with Janetta, Pocket Trumpeter. At 10, we have Garage Mania with Robbie Russell and Nurse Cheryl. On Tuesday, we have DJ John Lombardi. At 8 o'clock, we have Inside New York, New York Tourism with Joe Moriello. At 10 o'clock, we have The Swingers Lifestyle with Jack and Jill. On Wednesday, we have 6 o'clock, Pearls of the Sea with Lisa and C. At 7 o'clock, we have Three Guys from Newark with Bob, Bob, and Paul. At 8 o'clock, we have Frankie Sticks Show with Frankie Sticks and Chick Chick Chat. At 9, we have Better Days, A Positive Approach to Life with Lynn McNamara. That's on the last Wednesday of each month. At 11 o'clock, we have Down for the Team with Jonah Legacy and his friends. On Thursday, we have Live with the Skies with Sky and Jade. Six o'clock, we have Live with Roxanne and American Journey. Seven, we have Morph Moms with Kathleen Butler Smith. At eight o'clock, we have Salon Radio and the International Women's Artist Salon. At nine o'clock, we have Mia's World with Mia Berman. On Friday at seven o'clock, we have a class act just stepping back with John B. We have many shows and many spots open for new shows. If you would like to be on the City World Radio Network, please email us at cityworldradio at aol.com. And that's cityworldradio at aol.com. Thank you. Peace.